0: to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service.
1: Full Service Radio.
0: Full Service Radio Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Hey
2: everybody, it's Nikki Nellis. It is Industry Night with Booty and the Beast, except the Beast is out of commission today. He's... Healthy and fine, but he's just not here, so I get the show all to myself. Something that I actually want to kind of do anyway so maybe we'll just get rid of the beast and it'll just be industry night with Nikki Nellis we'll see what happens with that but for right now I want to thank you all for joining us today uh for those of you who don't know foodie and the beast is a show that covers the dc food and wine scene we've been on air for over nine years from 1500 a.m and now we have our new show here at the line hotel industry night with foodie and the beast it gives us an opportunity to talk to some of the movers and shakers in dc about what is happening here in the city. And today is going to be a really interesting day. First and foremost, we have Kathy Hollinger in with us. She is the Executive Director of the Restaurant Association in Metropolitan Washington. They're a huge organization in the city that does promotions all over the city, but they're also really there for the industry and the worker. And they have some initiatives that they're fighting, but also it was the Rammy nominations yesterday. So lots of of interesting and fun things to talk about. But of course, first and foremost here in studio, we have Todd Thrasher, who is the spirited advisor here at Brothers and Sisters in the Line Hotel, and he has brought us a lovely concoction yet again. Todd Thrasher, take it away.
3: Cocktails, cocktails, cocktails.
2: All about it. Cheers.
3: So today... I was at the wharf, and I, I don't know if you know, Nikki, I'm opening a new tiki bar and rum distillery. So. I've
2: heard some rumors.
3: So I was down there getting excited, God, so I wanted delicious. to make a little pineapple daiquiri today. So mm-hmm. I did not use Thrasher's Rum, but we will use it's Thrasher's coming. R- It's coming.
2: Where D- are you making Thrasher's Rum? I'm
3: going to make it in the basement of the distillery. We have a 1,200 square feet urban distillery, uh, a 200-gallon Still made by Corson in Idaho and four 200-gallon fermenters. So we would be making rum six days a week. Wow. But today I used uh, kind of my go-to rum. This is El Dorado, five-year-old from Guyana. Mm -hmm. Uh, Equal parts pineapple juice, lemon juice, and rum. And you you know what's really
2: interesting is... When you said pineapple, I thought, mm, I'm not going to like it. It's going to be sweet. But it's really not. It's very refreshing. It's Pi- delicious. Like
3: if you juice pineapples, mm-hmm. that's not sweet. If you get canned pineapples, it has it's all the sweet, sugar added to it. You just get beautiful. I mean, pineapples can be savory. They can be t- super tart. Like, mm-hmm. This is tart. So, yeah.
2: But not in a bad way. No, like, no, it doesn't I make you pucker. It. No, I think it's no. really refreshing. So at your distillery, aside yeah. from the ground floor... Of production, yeah. What's it? I mean, it's a massive space. Yeah, so it, it, it get my heart pounding. Tell me how yeah, big it is. So we
3: have um, we're going to do three bars inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first floor basement will be a distillery. Then you go up one level. We're going to have two bars, one bar that will open to the to the channel. It's inside outside. We have about at the bar itself about twenty seats, and we have a, a patio that will seat fifty. And inside, we'll seat about another 40 at tables. Mm -hmm. And then we also have another bar on that floor, which I'm calling the prep bar, which we'll do all of our prep for the bars at that bar. And that will be actually in the front of the restaurant. So you come in and see people doing prep, seeing everything happen. And then, uh, (laughs) excuse me, we have two more levels up. We have a mezzanine. And then on the roof, we have an 18-seat bar. Mm -hmm. And then we have a, uh, it's completely open to the elements. So the whole roof is about... 1600 square feet And it's all open Uh, We will have Some closures Like Masseria has Where it opens and closes Sure And we can seat about 120 people on the roof
2: So like an accordion Yeah Kind so of if thing. It's, if
3: it's raining, we'll have, you know, we can close it. Mm-hmm. We're going to put misters up. We're going to put heaters up and, you know, just so we can use it as much as possible.
2: How are the views? The views are going to be insane. You can, it's like
3: you can touch the monument from the roof of our place. It's, wow. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So what's our what's, our,
2: what's our, what's our, what do we think? Let's say
3: July ish.
2: July ish? Oh, so can we like reserve our space now for July 4th? <laughs>
3: July 4th, <laughs> I'm going to have a party for my friends and investors on the roof.
2: Am I a friend? Yeah. You, I'm you're definitely not an yeah. investor, but not because <laughs> I don't want to be.
3: That's all right. We're good. <laughs> We're awesome.
2: All right. Well, I know you got something yeah. to go to. Thank so, you. Thank you tonight. all very much. And this is delicious. No worries. Have a nice day, y'all. Okay, everybody, bye. please come see Todd Thrasher here at the Line Hotel. He's doing uh, all the cocktail menus here. Monday, Monday. See you next Monday. Okay, bye. See you next Monday. Okay, so Kathy Hollinger. Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, thank you so much for joining me today. So we've talked for years, you've been on my other show. I know a lot about the Restaurant Association. But for people who are just sort of on the peripheral of the restaurant industry, you know, they know the Rammies, but they don't really know what the Restaurant Association is for DC. So can you just give us a little form
1: one one on that? Sure. So we are RAMW is the official trade association for uh, the Washington metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. So D.C., Northern Virginia, suburban Maryland, and we function similarly to any other trade association that represents an industry or a constituency base. REMW really is the voice for the small business operator. And in D.C. and in this region, we are so unique because we really are 96% independently operated and owned
2: which i think is that's not normal no especially for a city absolutely right aren't there more um chain restaurants and i don't mean like our fast
1: casual growing chains i mean like the bigger
2: the bigger tji friday ish kind of places right i mean they infiltrate the cities
1: absolutely and i think you look at new york a Mm -hmm. fabulous city that has uh tremendous food options, right? But they also have a mix of the independent operators, and they have the larger restaurant groups and the uh, the chains. But for REMW, we are not only the restaurants, we are food service. So mm-hmm. we are the food distributors, the beverage distributors, the industry behind the industry that really is here to support a thriving community of food service professionals. Now, is that
2: normal for a restaurant association to
1: incorporate all facets? Yes, it is. I think that um, as we look at other states across the country, their membership includes restaurants and it includes allied membership, which is the business behind the restaurants. But I will tell you that for us at REMW, it's really important that the ratio is right. So we are four to one. So we have, you know, for every... For operators, there's an allied member, whether it's a food distributor, whether it's a... Um, like one of the new apps de- or exactly. something like that, or a real estate person. Exactly. Yes. Um, and I think that that's important because we are very unique. We have very unique needs. So in terms of an association, we represent operators and food service as it relates to, yes, some of the promotions and programming that do- really drives butts in seats kind mm-hmm. of marketing, but also training Anything from, you know, food and safety certification to what we're doing now, which is sexual harassment training or. So is um, that
2: something as a
1: because
2: it is a member organization. Sure. Is that something as a member organization that you say to your members, uh, they need to get this certification? How what's the relationship? How does
1: that work? So. Our training, uh, there's some training opportunities and resources that we open up to the entire industry. You do not have to be an REMW member, but there are certain programs that if you are an REMW member, it could be seminars and informational um Uh, panels that benefit them and that is a member benefit okay but i think any trade association they want to have resources available to their members sure so that they're able to be successful in a market so we do it's very similar um we do the butts and seats programming from restaurant week to winter restaurant week summer restaurant week cocktail week spring wine fling barbecue week Mm -hmm. um so many that you're familiar with. But the idea is really to raise the visibility of all of these wonderful restaurants that are in this market that have opened or have been here for a long time. Right. Um, It's another way to get their word out. Absolutely. And
2: not every restaurant can either have PR or has a super savvy staff that knows how to do social media. That's right. So the um, additional help that RAMW provides to those restaurants for those promotions. Like, your spring wine filling is coming up next week. That's right. And I think there's 30 restaurants, 30-plus 30 restaurants. Probably
1: 35 restaurants, And yes. they're
2: offering flights of wine, sure. $15. Yeah. Um, and it's such a... Such
1: an interesting promotion, and you
2: guys have been doing that now for quite a while. For a
1: few years, and I think what we made more of a priority is that we're offering promotions for restaurants at different price points, Mm -hmm. um, depending on what they can absorb, um, which really speaks to the larger mission of REMW, which is we are the voice for small business here in the region, and they deal with issues every single day, whether they're opening up as a restaurant or whether they're expanding and a new concept is coming on the block. The idea is that they deal with, just in D.C., they have to deal with 14 to 15 different government agencies. That is not fun. They don't have a full-time team of people who are only dealing with HR mm-hmm. or only dealing with permitting. Like, like any of them really have HR. I, I mean, mean, that's come on. Such, It's so ridiculous. Totally with you. That's right. So it is trying to help minimize The burden and the impact for them and we are a voice for them to make sure at least on the regulatory and legislative side that whatever is coming down the pike or being introduced does not have a negative burden or impact to that small business operator because it is a wonderful industry and it pleases so many people but people don't realize the hard work that goes in staying open. Or the razor-thin margins. That's right. I mean, we're going to get to, you know, have a bunch
2: of uh, things that are focused for you, the initiative being one of them. But I do want to talk about the Ramy nominations yesterday because uh, for those that don't know, uh, the Restaurant Association in Metropolitan Washington does their Rammies. It's their version of the Oscars. It's for the D.C. restaurant community. I'm going to get this out of the way. You do have to be a member. Every year, there's some Writer in DC who whines about the fact that if they weren't, if they were members, they would win, blah, blah, blah. I don't understand why it's an issue anymore. Like,
1: they're not members. They want to win. They should be a member. That's how that goes. That's right. So, and I think the way that I approach it now, quite candidly, is that, you know, there are many trade associations in the nation's capital, and they all do various events or fundraisers over the years. um, Over the year, they do their kind of, you know, milestone gala. We just happen to do a gala that, is really a celebration of industry where people want to come out and celebrate which is fantastic but it is for the trade association to be able to do everything else that we do throughout the year. Right. And yes, you have to be a member to be nominated. You don't have to be a member to come and you don't have to be a member to celebrate this great industry. So I yeah, think that Yeah, but if you want that little award, you're going to have to Yeah. You're become have to a pay member. A very That's modest. A right? right.
2: That's the deal. Right. Um so this year the nominations were announced yesterday. It's always a big fun to do. Everybody comes for for it, except for those who are in South by this year, right? Um, and so I'm just sort of curious, like for people who aren't familiar with it, tell us a little bit about
1: some of the offerings this year and uh, what makes this year so special. Yeah. So last night was it was really a fantastic night. It is really the kickoff of our Rammy season, which uh, we will be in our 36th. Year um, isn't Sunday. that amazing? It's That's amazing, truly amazing. And I, I would love to, you know, one time we can talk about just the evolution of that over the last thirty six years, right?
2: right. Where is Michael Birkenhall when you need him? That's right, seriously, so
1: very missed, very mm-hmm. very missed. Um, but it's Sunday, June tenth, at the Washington, uh, the Walter E. Washington Convention Center, and we have this kickoff, which was last night, where we announce. All the finalists uh, in various categories, from Chef of the Year to Beverage Program of the Year to New Restaurant of the Year. We have over twenty categories, Um, and they've and the categories have grown. I
2: mean, as the DC industry has expanded, you've had to create categories to accommodate the growth.
1: Absolutely, and um, that's always a really touchy subject, right? Because you don't want to have so many categories that. We have an awards program that is three hours long, but we want to make sure that we are being very true to the unique representation of how this industry has evolved. Right, right? without a doubt.
2: No, and having been, I think this is my 16th year going, I would say my very first year, the Rammys were a dinner and the awards were given out during dinner. And um, the food was not especially palatable which was a shame or not a shame but odd because it was the restaurant industry and there was very inexpensive wine and people people got really drunk (laughs) that's really what happened people got
1: really drunk and uh Nobody remember the end of the night. That's how that went. And I and it was a really big shift to be able to change that and mm-hmm. turn it into more of a party. Where oh my god! It's so glamorous. Absolutely, much more glamorous. And Nick, I think you and I presented together. We did one year. We and did. And I found that picture. Shut up. I think, I think someone I on know my what team I was wearing. That picture. I don't remember what I was wearing, but I will send that along to you. Okay, it was that would a, be so it was great. Quite a long time ago. So
2: now, um, for people who have questions about the judging every year you know it's the same thing um everybody I just want to say for the record every year everybody thinks I'm a judge and I'm just saying not only am I not a judge this year I have never ever been a judge and because everybody always thinks I'm a judge I'm never going to be so thank you all very much on that note
1: great you set the record straight right there okay so so judging how does judging work so judging I mean judging starts you know months Five months ago it started. But basically, it is a um, an anonymous panel of judges, all uh, food service professionals in the media, whether they are food, ed- food editors um, or food writers or bloggers. The idea is that these are the people that are in the market across the region every day, and they are meeting and judging and dining out and looking and thinking about service and quality and talent. Um, but it is an anonymous group of judges. So nobody in the group knows or do they all come together? So they all come together. Okay. Um, it it changed over the years, but they all come together mm-hmm. because dialogue is key for them. And they sure. want to... So much has changed in the industry and it changes very quickly. Um, but they meet over the course of four to five months mm-hmm. and they... Last night was the night where what they have discussed over these months is then revealed. And then the winners are announced on June 10th in all categories. And that is where the celebration happens for those finalists and winners. But quite candidly, the celebration is for a year full of successes in the industry.
2: Right. And uh, uh, I mean, so many openings this year. Like, I have to assume for uh, Best New Restaurant this year. I mean, I looked at the category like oh my god there's so many people not on it and it's not because they didn't deserve it but there's so many good new brand new restaurants i mean this year there was just so many openings and so many many chefs that we know well you know, what either uh, left old positions and went out on their own right. or created secondary concepts, you know, whether we talk about Scott and Danny of Trico or Rose from Compass, Rose and Maiden. Sure. Um, I mean, there's just so many people doing interesting things, um, but it's amazing. Like, it must be very hard. Oh, so I now could there, imagine, yeah. So there are several topics that people can vote for so pe- yes the yes, layperson yes, yes. can actually get involved
1: right and as you speak to um as you speak to how the categories have evolved mm-hmm. we do have public voting categories where the public can vote and does the public like, and they the- vote i was gonna say what's the turnaround on that? oh they vote well you know uh nbc4 is our public voting partner yeah and yay. they have such an incredible reach but um that they vote Right. That's they amazing. vote and they get so the word out. So, how can you vote? So, I, I think you will be able to vote publicly starting this w- end of this week. Okay. Um, but you can go to NBCWashington.com mm-hmm. uh, forward slash Rammies. Okay. And that and is through Monday, April 30th. Okay. So, the categories yes. are the brunch categories. Mm-hmm. Um, you have You have
2: casual
1: brunch, you have upscale Brunch of the year, right? You have casual brunch of the year. Mm-hmm. You have favorite fast bites of the year, which is a newer category, sure, but you had to do it. Very true to what's happening across our market, right? Absolutely. Fast, and then casual. you have favorite gathering place.
2: Cool, that's amazing. So people can participate in that, and then the judges get back together
1: and pick all the other, other categories. Winners. That's okay. right. And, that's and that then stuff. that is that happens closer to the date of the Rammies of course, mm-hmm. but that is where the big reveal is on June 10th. Right. At and the big party. everybody comes in is their Is there a theme this attire. year? Is there a theme? So, you know, I have since I've been at RMW, which has been 5 years, right. maybe 6, I don't remember now, but we Think more in terms of concept and mm-hmm. not attire theme. But we... Which um, I greatly,
2: greatly appreciate. Oh, thanks. I Nick. really I'm do. I'm glad
1: you do. Right. I'm glad you do.
2: Because you know me, I'm not coming in a theme. Like, it's just not happening.
1: Well, you know, so I think the concept really is what have we seen around the region? We have mm-hmm. seen art... We have seen music and we have seen design really influence spaces Absolutely. in restaurants, right? And that's what we really want to celebrate. So the night itself on June 10th, as you, as a participant, come into the beautiful convention center, you will be able to see these touch points throughout the evening, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's design, now because last, they've played such a big. Last year,
2: games. you, you, um, you all did a marketplace, yes, which I thought was a really Smart idea. Is that something that you're going to execute again? Absolutely. I love that idea. And it's
1: very inclusive. I mean, it really pulls in Mm -hmm. those operators who are much smaller, have really unique products, and they want to share it with the industry. Without a doubt. So we, yes, we do plan to do that again. And you did that with Mess Hall last year? We, oh, we do that with Mess Hall in general over the course of a year. We work with them wonderfully, and they are so. They're so great. They are so fantastic. Mm -hmm. Talk about great programming. They do wonderful programming. They do. Um, but no, we do this through, we really open it up to whoever wants to participate Mm -hmm. and it just becomes more of a logistical, okay, we've got 20 or 30 now and we're stopping, right? We're good. Okay. But, um, but there's a lot to look forward to this year. So we'll see what we've got in our marketplace this year. Okay,
2: great. Well, we can't wait. Well, I want to, now that we've discussed the Rammies. everybody has the date, go buy tickets, go to RMWDC. you can find your tickets there. It is always a tremendous party but you as the executive director of the restaurant association you talked about it earlier you you really help the industry with a variety of issues and I don't want to say like you're a lobbyist, but you you are taking on political issues that affect the industry, like sexual harassment, all these things that are happening. And uh, you are the mouthpiece for the industry, to, to especially the D.C. industry, to display their point of view. So I want to talk about Initiative 77 because it's a real touchstone. So for those not in the industry, or maybe if
1: you are and you don't know what it is, please explain it. Sure. So in terms of You're right. It's not um, a lobbyist role, but we are advocates. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are advocates to make sure that policy makes sense, that regulations make sense. With Initiative 77, it's a little different because it is an initiative that goes on a voter ballot, which is very different than a piece of policy where you're working with elected officials to shape it. But the idea with Initiative 77 is that it's a measure that proposes to increase the tipped minimum wage to $15, which would eliminate the tip credit. The tip credit is, in our industry, uh, most small business and independent operators, they have a tipped minimum wage and they have the minimum wage. Mm -hmm. The tipped minimum wage is um, a wage that is less than the minimum wage because that employee is being compensated through tips, right? So, uh,
2: uh, I'm just going to break it down yeah, a little bit. Please do. So, uh, a server in a restaurant usually gets paid. Todd Thrasher confirmed this. Two dollars and seventy-seven cents. It's a little more now. Yeah, three thirty-three. Three thirty-three. Okay, maybe he's not getting paid right. <laughs> um, so, so that's what he gets paid, and then based on the tips, he has to get to a minimum of the minimum wage of whatever city or town he's in, right? Yes. So I think that's a huge point because huge. I don't think most people know no. that. So if you work in a restaurant and it's a dead night, you still have to make minimum wage even if you didn't get a single tip. Is yes. that
1: accurate? Nikki, That it's not only accurate. It is, you're right. It is. It has to be communicated more. So both federal and D.C. law mm-hmm. require that all tipped employees make the minimum wage through a combination of their base wage plus tips. Okay. And very strong protections are in place to ensure that that happens. Mm-hmm. So servers, if we want to talk about servers, they the reality is they make far more than minimum wage. Of course. So the restaurant operator is not worried about the law of making sure that they are being paid minimum wage, mm-hmm. they're making much more than that. But in the event, let's say it is a blizzard all week long and nobody comes in, they are required by law to pay at least the minimum wage over the course of a week, which is the minimum wage, whatever the law may be. Here it is, $12.50 currently. Right.
2: So who's... An, so. It's When you first read the initiative, if you're not in the industry, you're like, yeah, do away with tips. Like, why would not you making minimum wage? That sounds great. You're not going to get cheated. It's not going to be bad. But it's, who is starting this initiative? It's because most of the industry is against it.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> who is starting the initiative? So Ballot 77 was proposed and championed by an organization called... Restaurant Opportunities Center. They're also known as ROC. Okay. Um, ROC is a national organization um, who, and they have many national, various national social agendas, but mm-hmm. one is that they want to eliminate the tipped wage system completely. And so they don't want
2: to do it on a, not, I don't want to say case-by-case case basis, but you could see where they would think that maybe some of the large, like as we were saying, like large restaurant groups, like a TJ Friday's, again, I just go back to that, that 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 would be beneficial maybe for them. But again, if you're making minimum wage anyway, it seems redundant.
1: Yeah, it does seem redundant. I think also it doesn't apply to this market. Okay. I mean, the reality Obviously. is that they have over the years, they have absolutely put an emphasis on places like Denny's, IHOPs and Applebee's largely. Um, we have asked them, you know, we have told them and others and elected officials that the reality is that those don't really exist in D.C. And if they do, there may be four out of twenty two hundred. So why did they four. come? OK, so then why come to D.C.? Why do it here first? Because DC um, is our nation's capital. Locally, it is easier to influence this kind of policy and measure. Okay. It's a controllable market, mm-hmm. and um, they go to cities like DC to test it out and do it. And but I will tell you, I am for those who do know. We are, I try to be very forward-thinking and open-minded about how we drive policy, how we drive change, and the reality is that this is one of the few issues where in this market restaurant owners operators and tipped employees are all united and on the same page okay this is a bad thing for everybody it's bad thing for a small business and it's bad for tipped employees okay we're going to take a break i believe we have to take a break so we're going to take a quick break when
2: we come back i really want to get into why this is bad for employees there's been a couple articles written i want to discuss them with you this is nikki nellis i am beastless today it's industry night at the line hotel we'll be back in just a sec It's Nikki Nellis with Industry Night with Foodie at the Beast at the Line Hotel. I'm sitting here with Kathy Hollinger. You know her as the Executive Director of the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. And before we took the break, we talked about we talked about the Ramy nominations that happened yesterday. Every hot chef in this city was uh, waiting to hear whether or not they were nominated. And uh, almost all of them were, quite frankly. <laughs> you really didn't miss very many people. Um, but it's always really exciting. And uh, June 10th, the big announcement Announcement will be made of who won and that'll be at the big rammy gala that happens every year for those of you who've never been to the rammy gala but if you're a dc restaurant devotee this is absolutely one of the events of the year that you absolutely have to consider going to but before we went to break we were talking about initiative 77 and you were if you can just again for those who may have missed it explain what initiative 77
1: is again sure Initiative 77 uh, is, it proposes to increase the tipped minimum wage to 15, which would ultimately eliminate the tip credit and the tip system. Uh, This ballot initiative really leaves it up to the D.C. voter in the June primary, June 19th, for voters to decide during the next election.
2: Okay. So, for somebody who's never been in the restaurant industry, they're thinking... I don't have to tip anymore. This could be a good thing, right? So why is it
1: not a good thing? Okay. So why is it a game changer? <laughs> it's a game changer from two different perspectives. For a small business owner who is building their entire business model based on you as a tipped employee or a server, you are making this amount because ultimately you're really making 30 to $40 an hour. They have to completely change their business model and figure out, on a very thin profit margin Already, model, right. right, how they are going to change that business model.
2: Well, so this is a great moment to bring up Danny Meyer. Yes. So Danny Meyer's, you know, everybody knows him, one of the biggest restaurateurs in the world. Uh, he came up with the idea of doing no tips at some of his restaurants, and it was not successful. So what happened there?
1: So what happened there is that um, I think initially they didn't know. I, and, you know, this is what we're seeing in other markets outside of big names like Danny Meyer, okay? Mm-hmm. But initially they they were trying to sustain a new model. But what happens is ultimately if someone is then, their earning potential is less and they are making less because they are going to a flat wage of $15 an hour, no tipping, they're making not significantly less. Right, you're not making as much so you're money. So losing, you're losing a certain quality server, um, and he lost a lot of people.
2: So what about, you know, people go to Europe. We go to other countries, and they say, okay, but service is included. An 18% gratuity is automatically added. Why is does that not
1: comply here? Does this not work either? I will just ask, I would ask everyone this question. Do you feel good about the service when you're in Europe? I mean, if you feel good about that level of service, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. And I think that um, it they have much smaller staff. And it's, that's why the service isn't necessarily the service you would have here. They have a smaller staff. They're doing much more. They are not necessarily just a server. They are a runner. They are a host. They are doing a variety of functions um, because they're a smaller team and they have to. I think that we have to really think about what an operator is gonna have to do ultimately to change that business model would be a Decision that maybe they would get rid of tipping if a measure like this were to pass. Mm -hmm. And they would have to really think about, does that then mean we raise menu prices? Does that then mean we put a service charge, which the house would then control, and you would redistribute the money?
2: Okay. And that is something that restaurants in D.C. absolutely do not want to do. They do not want to do that. And that's not what the initiative wants them to do. The initiative just wants them to everybody to go minimum wage and get rid of tip
1: altogether. No, they don't even want to get rid of tip altogether necessarily. They want everyone to have one wage and if in fact there is still tipping... Which they think restaurants can do fifteen an hour plus tips. That is not sustainable, right? And that is just a uninformed. That's an uninformed individual thinking that they have business sense, mm-hmm. and they don't, because the operator will not be able to do that or sustain that,
2: because there's no way. So, what happened to people who tried to enact this sort of tipless restaurant?
1: Did The restaurants closed? I mean, what happened? So they had to reduce their staff size. Okay. They had to reduce the available hours to their staff. They had to increase menu prices. And they had to end tipping and add this service charge to each bill, which will likely be used to help cover the additional expenses of creating this one wage. Because that one wage, then, you have to lift everyone up who is at a certain level. I mean, it's incredibly... um, it's, it's labor burdensome, and they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. But the service charge model is not preferable. Mm-hmm. But at some point, what I think that the public will hear, hopefully, in the next couple months, is that tipped employees are speaking out and saying, look, we know our market. This works for us small business operators are saying, hey, this works for us as well. We are united. This could change the complete fabric of what we are as a 96% independently owned and operated market.
2: Well, so what are you hearing from your members? Most of your members are like, we don't want this. Absolutely. So that's why I don't understand points. if the community doesn't want it, Why does it get to go on the ballot?
1: Because national organizations who are very, very well-funded, with very, very big money, who have larger national agendas, they come into markets with their big money, and they want to impose their agenda. So this has very little to do with what the problems are in this market. There aren't these problems in the market. Mm -hmm. They are coming into Washington, D.C. to try and drive a policy that they're passionate about. And they will hear from the people who it's going to impact. And that's going to be the tipped employees and the small business operators. But ultimately, Nikki, the voters decide. And if they're uninformed, that's where it becomes very devastating. So
2: what sort of initiatives does RAMW do at this point and restaurateurs and servers? I mean, we have uh, Ryan... Ryan uh, Aston wrote an article in the Washington Post that was called um, I'm your bartender. I don't want to raise. It's actually an incredible op-ed piece and it's gotten a lot of traction. Um, I'm actually interviewing him on Sunday. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. But, you know, he really is against the initiative. He doesn't want it. But to the layperson, if they're going to go and vote on this, Because, I mean, think about how many times you go to the voter booth, you know, and you know, like, you're going to vote for your elected officials and blah, blah, blah. But there's a couple initiatives on there. And you're like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Do I want this? Tips? Not tips, it sounds good. That's right. So what will um, what will you be doing? What will the organization be doing?
1: And, and how are you getting your members to get the word out? Absolutely. So what we've been doing over the course of the last month is we've been having these um, citywide meetings where we're pulling operators together. We're helping them. We're giving them the tools so that they can also talk to their employees about, look, do you know about Ballot 77? How do you feel about Ballot 77? Because the whole idea here is that every operator should be able to choose how they're going to run their business and they have to inform their tipped employees of how it may impact the business. So we have, um, we. I know of Ryan, but we don't work with, Ryan necessarily, but he is mobilizing, I hear, other tipped employees to speak out. We are encouraging our operators to do that as well and to make sure that people are speaking out to vote no on Initiative 77.
2: Okay, now I'm going to throw just another hook out there because there was an article in uh, yesterday's New York Times by Katrin Einhorn and Rachel Abrams uh, about the tipping equation and it's about sexual harassment because of tips, and uh, one of the things that you do hear in the pro initiative side is that this will this will lessen sexual harassment. And I think we can just discuss it for a second that um, servers, men and women, get harassed by their customers. This is, I mean, they get harassed by the back of the house. They get harassed by the front of the house. I mean, you know, servers get it the worst. Uh, and if it if they're if it's tip driven, do they have to accept terrible behavior in order to get that money?
1: So the answer to that, first of all, is no. Right. Nobody. The should. customer is not always right. right. Yes. The customer experiences, the tipped employee, the server, the host, the owner, the I mean, it's prevalent across all of our industries and it is absolutely unacceptable. Period. Mm -hmm. I think that what is unfortunate is that it is absolutely being tied to one industry and we do have to separate it out because look, it is unacceptable and it absolutely, there has to be enforcement and it's, it should not be tolerated on any level period. Right. Um, I will say that when they try to link data and studies, uh, to tipping markets versus non-tipping markets, really, there's no evidence of this. And I am always open to looking at that data, especially as it relates to our market, but I don't believe it does. Um, And I think that it is unfortunate to be pegged in this market as this incredibly prevalent issue that's tied to tipping. I think it's tied to our culture and society, and that's a very different discussion.
2: Well, I think you're right. I I think it's really up to the restaurants at this point, take initiative 77 off the table just for a second, that the restaurants make it clear to their customers that um, asshole behavior is not acceptable. Absolutely. I mean, really, I mean, you know, people can be really, when somebody's serving you, sometimes people feel that they're allowed to behave ways that they would never behave someplace else, as if, as if all of a sudden they're, you know, the queen of Sheba or the king of That's something right. else. They, they get very demanding and their behavior can be off the charts. I don't understand that. I don't know why please and thank yous go out the door sometimes when you go to a restaurant. Um, but uh, it's, I think it's up to the, the management of the restaurant to ensure that their staff is safe and that they do not feel that they will be harmed financially. Absolutely if somebody
1: is harassing them or just being completely and totally inappropriate. That's right. And Nikki, you know this industry so well. You know the people who make up this industry. We absolutely encourage. And, you know, we did this as we were heading into inauguration last time. Be bold, be the leaders that you are in every way. Right. And you are hospitable, you are owners of these great establishments, but you also can decide who walks in the door and who is behaving inappropriately and ask them to leave, right? Right. So these are people who are they are wired to do good to make people feel welcome to bring people into their homes and they should do the right thing and i believe that they will do the right thing with every issue but absolutely when it's this issue it's their restaurant and they can make those decisions
2: right well i think um more and more especially the younger generations of chefs as they're climbing the ladder and owning their own restaurants you're seeing Uh, Men and women, although I wish D.C. had more women chefs uh, and and people of color. I mean, you know, we do we need a more diverse uh, community in our industry. But um, I think you're seeing more and more people standing up and saying, absolutely not. And this is how our restaurant works. They're not afraid of the bad, you know, review on Yelp or, you know, that person who's going to make a stink and say, you know, they This restaurant did this to me and I'm giving them a blank star rating. That's right. Yeah. They have to stand up to it. Absolutely. It's hard. Bullies are tough.
1: Bullies are tough. Um but encouraging boldness and being a leader, I think that all of us can constantly do that and encourage our small business owners that they have that right to do that and that that should give them a lot of power feeling. That this is the kind of business we run. Mm-hmm. We run a very inclusive restaurant that doesn't tolerate A, B, C, D, or E. And um, I'm seeing more of it as well. I think it's wonderful. No,
2: I do too. It's been a moment, without a doubt. Hopefully, it will continue. Uh, back to the initiative for a second. So, for, like, I'm thinking of some of the tours in this city who, I mean, they're not chains, they're independent restaurants, but like the Ashok Bajajas of this world with Rosica and West End and um, Bindas, you know, he's like seven restaurants, or a Jeff Black or a Mike Isabella. These restaurateurs have multiple properties. How do they feel about something
1: like this? They do not like it at all and okay. are very concerned. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, really, when I say that we've been pulling in restaurant operators, I am talk- I don't care if you are a member or a not member. This is an industry issue. Tell me where you are on this. Tell me how you feel. And maybe that's what I would encourage people who are listening. If you know small business owners who may not know about this, mm-hmm. restaurant owners, they should ask and, and know that we have tools for them, that we're going to encourage people to vote no. This is it is a game changer it is an issue that does not necessarily apply to this market well it's actually an issue that doesn't really
2: apply to the to the general public that's the part that i'm still i know confused you
1: are. by i just don't understand why the general public is voting for it because there is a process around getting an initiative on a ballot and this organization went through that process and mm-hmm. the you know Nikki, it seems most like people... They, it seems like cheating. I mean, I know it's I, not, well, but it's you a, know what I mean? It's they like sneaky, went around. Yes, it's sneaky. It's sneaky because at the end of the day, voters don't understand how the tip system... I mean, they don't understand how it works. Even though that they dine out on restaurants regularly, they don't understand the, why is there a tip wage and a base wage versus the minimum wage? They don't understand that. And the fact that they were able to go around and make it very targeted to the messages that may resonate with the public, that's scary.
2: No, it's really uh, going to be up, I think, to the food industry people to educate their clientele because I, I really can see... Uh, the uninitiated going in and thinking, oh well, I love my restaurant, you know, my corner restaurant that I go to twice a week. Like, my server should make. I mean, if you just read it on face value, yes, it does sound like the right thing. But that's when, right. It's only when you dig deeper and really understand, yeah, the mechanics of it, and that people are already making the wage, and that you're actually giving them, they're actually going to be making less money. They're going
1: to end up making less money. And I uh-huh. think that when that diner goes around the corner to go to their corner to their neighborhood restaurant and that neighborhood restaurant is not there because they're already outside of this initiative Look, they are doing their thing because they love it. You know, restaurant owners and chefs, they are in this industry because they love what they do every day. Mm -hmm. They are usually not in it because they think they're going to make millions and millions, right? Right. It's the few and far between. It's the few and far between. It really is true. So when they see that the local businesses are somewhat shrinking Mm -hmm. and you have more of the larger chains coming in, I mean, it's going to change our market. And I'm not saying that I'm not for the larger chains. I think every city can absorb a nice, diverse mix. I mean, I know you have to say that, but I don't have to say Uh, that. I mean, I'm not for the... You know, we have
2: such... a. The city is so vibrant. Um, The food community is so charitable. Um, Everybody comes out for everything. And uh, it's everybody plays in the sandbox together. It's such a unique, unique area there's no uh food and wine industry in
1: any city like the food and wine industry in dc absolutely it's incredible i think the only city that maybe we resemble is austin in the makeup of independent operators right Mm -hmm. i think that that's probably the only parallel but i i i really as looking across the country and all these different cities and as i talk to my counterparts there's no city like ours
2: well what i hear from chefs from other cities is that when they come here and they see all the chefs together and hanging out together. And if, if uh, Scott Truneau is doing an event, then they all come and do that event. But then when Mikey Friedman is hosting, I mean, every single one of them hosts some event somewhere at some point in time, that they, you know, everybody jumps on board. They all support each other. Um, they support all the causes in this city. I mean, so many. It, they're so generous. Um, but it is going to, I guess this is really going to be up to them. Well, so... I think we have discussed the initiative yes. and people should now know yeah. to vote no on initiative 77. Absolutely. But in your five years in this role, yes. um, you know, everybody talks about sort of like the last, I, I think as more and more people come to the city, they're like, oh, really in like the last four years, the last five years, but it's really been the last 15 years that there's sure. been this incredible growth, not just in restaurants, but in the real estate. I mean- there's areas I never, I mean, I remember when Mikey Friedman opened up Red Hen and they were like, that's called Bloomingdale. I was like, was it always called Bloomingdale? Right. <laughs> I've been here a long time and I, I, I never even heard of it, yeah. you know, or Ledroit or sure. Shaw or, you know, obviously areas that have been there, but
1: nobody was, uh, there was no real estate to open up a restaurant there. Not at all. I mean, I've been in D.C. for 30 years. And of course, with RMW only leading RMW for the last Five, and I really, it's crazy that I don't know if it's five or six, but let's just say five. Okay. Um, but even thinking about my time in Washington, right, it was, it's a very different Washington. And then looking back 15 years, yes, every neighborhood is almost developed, and every neighborhood in the city alone, not even looking at the region, because the region has exploded. Oh, right. I mean, we're, right? not, even, we're not even talking we're about not the suburbs. We're not talking about the region. Right, no, we're talking about D.C. The specific. City. Every neighborhood is anchored by amazing independent operators. Mm -hmm. And that is pretty phenomenal. I never... I mean, I definitely... I never... I never knew what Penn Quarter was. I knew it as Chinatown. Don't tell Joanne Newhouse that. Right. She'll kill you. (laughs) She will kill me. Um, I never, I mean, I never imagined to go to H Street. Mm -hmm. You're right, Bloomingdale. I worked not too far from Bloomingdale at one point, but it wasn't called Bloomingdale. Right. That's my point. You know, or, you know,
2: where Union Market is now. No, there's been um, a tremendous investment in the city. Uh, The Wharf is a great example. I mean, uh, just... Dead space. That's right. Terrible tourist traps. I I didn't even know people actually went down there. I just know those knew those buildings were there. Those massive sure buildings. I think there was a nightclub and like a Phillips or something. Like I don't even know what was really there. But now they have taken almost a mile of property and have opened up fabulous restaurants. Todd's new distilleries coming. Uh, Gorgeous. Condos and Condos, office space, supermarkets.
1: I mean, it is a living. It is a living and visiting destination, right? right. Mm-hmm. And it's um and it's fantastic and it's it's beautiful. And I think everyone in D.C. living in D.C. We're so proud as residents. We're so proud to represent the city. Um, I think D.C. has always been proud in that way. But I think now, when we look at what has happened on the economic development front. It's phenomenal. Look at where we are today. I was just going to say, I mean,
2: here we are at the right? Long Hotel. When I would say 12 years ago, i had probably been in the business about three or four years. I was actually at a party at Jose Andre's house. I know I'm dragging. Um, and uh, I caught, he was talking to somebody else and I was just sort of standing nearby. And he was talking about, he was going to open up the restaurant in the hotel in the church. So that's how long ago... They were talking about... Something here. ...making a hotel here. Yeah. And, you know, there was the recession. I mean, things took place. Sure. Um, but really, since the recession... I mean, like, 2000... The recession was 2008, but by 2009,
1: everything was just exploding. It was exploding, and I think one thing that people um, forget quickly is that they see all this growth. They see how much we've changed as a city, and for whatever reason, when people see that, they think, okay, that means now... We want to change something. Don't change like what? the things that Wait, make, it no, make it easy to make it a great city. Right. Well, I mean, we're getting a little off track here. I did,
2: one of my complaints with the real estate. Listen, they built gorgeous buildings. The aesthetic throughout the city is really beautiful, but I think some of the people in real estate, they just want the restaurants. Some of the spaces are ginormous, as you know. Yeah. It makes my heart pound. Yes. Um, I, I think there is still room for smaller restaurants. Not every restaurant has to be a little diplomat and make bazillions every week. It's nice, but these small independent restaurants, the smaller properties are important. And quite frankly, so is retail. And I know brick and mortars are struggling for a moment, But people just need something. If we're coming down to the wharf, you don't want me just to go into a restaurant. You want me to walk around. Yeah. And there has to be something for me to, we call it schmeying. We schmye. We walk around and we see what's happening. I think you need that. I think it's important. It's important. So, part of the mix, right? Right, without a doubt. You need that, yes. And are you a part of that conversation when they're doing real estate building? Do they come to you and say, this is what we're thinking, this
1: is where we are? I mean, do you have a seat at that table? Sometimes. I mean, many times with the city, I do. And, you know, we work very well with the Deputy Mayor of Economic Development, who's always thinking about how are we creating this overall experience similar to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And it has to be the right mix. Right. At some point, there also is the discussion of oversight saturation and is there too you can't just have a bunch of restaurants no no to your it's got to be well
2: curated right? totally
1: with you um, and they are having those conversations they're at South by having those conversations right? right so yes we do have a seat at the table and we're fortunate for that and they have to keep us at the table right without a (laughs) doubt okay so lastly before uh you leave
2: me today i'd love for you just to tell people we have the spring wine filling coming up it starts next week it starts the week of looking at my calendar to look at the
1: i want to say that it starts the week of the 26th yes absolutely yes it does yes it does um and if you visit remw.org all of the information on Spring Wine Fling is there. Um, it's a program that has grown more. Rest- you'll see the independent op- restaurants that are participating. They do a lot of fun, creative things during that promotion. Oh,
2: and I just have to say so I know places like Iron Gate are participating in Jugged Table, but the pavilion uh, at the National Gallery of Art. Are they, they're, they're participating. participating, which I think is really cool. And what I did not know is that on Friday nights they do, um, you know, they do jazz in the garden and you can get a glass of wine there and walk around and view all the art And um, I love that they're participating with you this year. I think it's great because it speaks to the
1: trend of um, the integration. Experience. People want
2: experience. You want to
1: eat. You want to drink. You want to experience. And that is the epitome of that. And it's wonderful. I think it's going to be hopefully the weather will be wonderful. But either way, it's a great way to get people out. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been a hard couple months, even though the winter has been good to us. But people want to get out and it's a great promotion to get people out to dine and drink and experience. Right. Drink
2: responsibly, of course. Uh, always, but right. But they are flights and they're about $15 each and uh, all the different restaurants are offering a variety of flights from rosé flights to white to red to mixes um, but everybody is offering something that's specific to what they do. I know you have lots of promotions coming up we with do. the rest of the year. Yes. Um, but I'm going to have to have you come back on to I talk will, about I will and it I'd then. love to. I love a spending time with you. Thank you. I want to thank Kathy Hollinger for joining me today. Today. we talked thank about you. a lot vote no on initiative yes 77 Please yes don't vote for, no yes vote <laughs> no right yes. just vote no uh thanks to todd thrasher who's not with us he is the spirited advisor at brothers and sisters and uh, thank you for joining us today this is nikki nellis with industry night with foodie and the beast we'll see you next week